titled Loves Me, He Loves Me Not. Did you ever do that when you were a little kid? You get one of those little daisy flowers? There was this girl that I had my eyes on. She didn't even know I existed. And so I would, she loves me, she loves me not, she loves me, she loves me. And you go all the way around. And if it ended on she loves me not, you just pick another flower and go, we're going to do this again. Until she, it ended on she loves me not, you go, yeah. Well, I just want you to know God is always ending on he loves me all the time. There is no he loves me not. He loves me. He loves me, he lo- no matter which one you pull off, no matter if it's odd or even. That's a lot better illustration than what you're giving credit for, but anyway. I just thought of it, that's why. How many open up the notes? Do you ever, when I say follow along, maybe even not today, but sometimes, do you, is there anybody look at those notes? Oh, good. I told the first service, that I said, if nobody raised their hands, I'm done. I'm not doing this. Because it takes quite a bit of effort to do that. But I'm glad your four people are enjoying that. So that'll be good. That's good. I'll keep doing it. Um, if you were not here last week, you need to make sure to listen to last week's sermon. It was really, really different. I think it will help you to understand the uh, Old Testament when you're reading it. And, you know, when God was telling them to do certain things, you go, that just sounds horrible that God required that. Well, if you listen to last week's sermon, I think it'll bring some clarity to you. Romans 15, 13 is our scripture for the year. It says, now may God, the inspiration and fountain of... Can we just read it together? Let's start all over and read it together. Ready? One, two, three. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. That is good. Good stuff. Um, let me pray before we start. Father, we just thank you for the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. That the Holy Spirit will just enlighten us. Father, we are people that are radiating with the hope of God because of the good news. And so we thank you today for speaking to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. I know the biggest thing that I am discovering, not that I have discovered at all, is about how God loves me. How God loves me. Learning how to let yourself be loved by God creates a foundation for loving others. Did you hear that? So there's some people that you, you meet, you think they don't love themselves and they don't love anybody. Well, I think the root of that is they've never let themselves be loved by God. He loves them no matter what. But you and I can allow that love or we can put up a, a wall to that love. It's still there, but we don't see any manifestation of it because of our attitude, maybe, or things of hurt. There's many things that can stop the love of God, but it's always there, and it never stops or ceases. But when you overflow with God's love, in turn, it flows out, and it will teach you and me how to love other people. It will teach you and me how to love, because let's just face it. There's people in your life that are not very lovable. A couple of honest people. I, I know there's people on the planet you think, man, 
If the Lord ever changes his mind that we don't have to love people, they're number one on my list. Not that you're keeping less and not that I'm keeping less, but I'm just saying hypothetically. (laughs) Oh, that was funny and you know it, but anyway. (laughs) But God's love is everything, is it not? I mean, when you truly have a revelation of his love, it becomes effortless. And it's also the source of everything meaningful in life. God does not have a naughty and nice list. Aren't you glad of that, that he's not like Santa Claus? But he does not. And uh, an image of what you think you should be like, what does that look like? I've thought about this and uh, because throughout my lifetime, I've had different images of not only God, but I've had different images of Mike. And uh, the Lord has just brought many times to where that image gets crushed or taken down, and I would put up a different image. And I believe throughout our life that this is something that you and I will have to continually work on as far as having the right image of God and having the right image of yourself, the right image of yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, we can demolish Every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Verse 6 says this, the Passion Translation, Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, We stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. The King James Version says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We make so much a big deal about obeying God and obedience. But what God wants you and I to know is that Scripture says, Unto the obedience of Christ. The King James Version says, to the obedience of Christ. I believe God wants us to focus on the obedience of Jesus more than your obedience and my obedience. Why? Because how many know that you and I have failed miserably at obeying everything that God wants us to do? Am I talking to the right crowd today? I just want to make sure because the first service, I think there's some perfect people in there, but. Just kidding. But, uh, but this is the thing. God wants you to know that even in us failing miserably at our obedience, God comes along and he says, I'm taking the obedience of Christ and putting you in that category. Woo. That's a pretty good thing. How many believe that's a good deal? I would like to be just categorized into the obedience of Christ. But this is the problem. The problem is this. You and I always put up the wrong image. We put up our image of disobeying. We put up our image of, oh, man, I told a lie. Oh, man, I, I shouldn't have got mad at my spouse. Or, uh, or we put up the image, I am so broke and so poor, I, I, I can't afford anything. Am I still speaking to the right crowd? The wrong image. I have 
preached on this message or this title or this, I'll get it right in a minute, this scripture many times, but I've never seen it in this light. I've never seen it in the light of having the wrong image of Mike or the wrong image of God. I always had casting down vain imagination, and it's usually about sin. You know, if you sin, you know, or I'm being tempted, or, or I see something, you know, I just need to cast that down in Jesus' name, bless God. But I've never cast down or had that mentality of casting down the wrong image that I have put there. The wrong image that, man, I just keep messing up. I keep saying, you know, I, I do like to talk, in case you didn't know. But I do like to talk. But in, a lot of times when you, a person loves to talk, they'll say stupid things. <laughs> I should know because they have come from this pulpit. And I go back and listen or I hear it and I go, that was so stupid. But this is the thing that problems we have, we'll think, I said something stupid. So you put up a, an image of, I'm stupid. You do something wrong and you go, I'm just terrible. You know, uh, you, you keep maybe getting tickets or, or driving wrong. I'm just a horrible driver. That's just who I am. You put up the wrong image. Man, I've lied three times this week. I'm, I'm just a liar. I've been so lazy. I didn't do this. I didn't clean the dishes. I'm just a lazy person. Do I need to keep going on? Are you getting the point? Okay, I'm just checking. But you put up the wrong image. The Bible says that we're supposed to cast down every vain imagination against the knowledge of God to the obedience of Christ. It's supposed to submit to that. So was Jesus obedient in everything? Yes, he was. Was he the perfect image? Yes, he was and is. So what God is saying is if the image doesn't look like Jesus, then you need to be casting it down. What? But, Pastor, you don't know what I did. You don't know. No, it's, it's not according to your obedience. It's according to his obedience and to his image and who we have been created after. We've been created after his image and his likeness. The problem is we try to put our own image of what Christian. If you ever just thought, what does a good Christian look like? And most, well, not most, but a lot of people will say, it's not a picture of me, honey. Yeah, it is. We think of somebody doing really well. Oh, pastor's image should be up there. <laughs> no. Obviously, you don't spend a lot of time with me. You all need to loosen up just a little. It's cold outside, but, I mean, we have heat on here. But you get the wrong image of yourself. When you do wrong... You think something negative of you, and you put up the image. Now, I wish I could say we're going to preach this message today, and everybody's going to be set free, and you'll never have to deal with this ever again. <laughs> no, you're going to have to deal with this over and over because we get negative things said about us, and we do do stupid things, and so we paint ourselves a certain way, and we have a certain image. But the other image is the, a wrong image of God. Most of us don't even have the right image of God up there. We think if we are doing right, 
doing our best to live right, that God is loving us and, and God is going to make a way for us. That's a wrong image of God. You say, well, what do you mean? Again, it's according to the obedience of Christ that we have the right image of God. And Jesus said this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What was Jesus like? He was loving the prostitutes. He was making a way for the tax collectors to come and sup with him. He was making ways when the religious people would not even give the time of day to certain people. God would say, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We have the wrong image of God as a hard taskmaster. He is not. So what is the right image? This is why I keep saying it over and over, week in, week out, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you are holy, that God sees you right, and that you are pleasing in his sight. You say, but I'm not pleasing in his sight because I do bad things. Pastor, you don't know. I mean, you just don't know. I don't know, but I do know him and what he thinks about you and me. And he thinks good thoughts towards you, the Bible said, that are endless thoughts of goodness towards you. I mean, most of the time, I could think of good thoughts towards you in about 30 seconds. I'm done. Some of you maybe less time than that. But anyway, my point is this. <laughs> Come on. Good night. But anyway, my point is this. God keeps thinking thoughts about you that keep going on and on and on. There's no end to it. That's the image that you need to put up there. He loves us. He loves us unconditionally. And like that, I've said in Isaiah 55, 8, that his thoughts are not your thoughts and his ways are not your ways. So you think God has to think this way. No, the Bible already has said he doesn't think like you and me. He doesn't. So you need to stop it. Stop thinking like just any person should think. We need to start reading the Bible, understanding who God is, and thinking like God thinks. Because if you think right, your ways will be right. But if you're always thinking wrong, your ways are going to be wrong. And if you're thinking wrong, the wrong image is going to be up there all the time. You're going to have the wrong picture, guaranteed. So it takes renewing the mind, does it not? So when you know how much your Heavenly Father loves you, it empowers you. It empowers you to live to the fullest, to live the life that God has destined for us to live. But you and I cannot fulfill that destiny without knowing how much he loves us. Being Valentine's Day week, I mean, you just, you know, love is in the air. But the greatest thing, it's not just in the air. The love of God is inside of you and me. 365 days this year, 366 days. We receive love from God. And we give it back to him and others. This is a shocker. God does not even require your love. I said that. I just want to make sure nobody passed out. I'm trying to make sure nobody passes out. God does not require your love to love you. The famous scripture that just about everybody knows, even in the world, John 3, 16, for God so 
love the world that he gave his only begotten. Before you and I. And then the Bible says before the foundation of the world, Jesus was crucified in the mind of God, in the eyes of God. Jesus had already taken care of everything before the earth was even formed. Which meant that for God so loved the world before the world was even formed. His love is out there before you. You know, people say, well, you got to love God. No, it's just the opposite. We love God because he first loved us. Don't get them switched. God loves me because, you know, because I love him. No, 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 no. He loves you whether you love him or not. Whether you love him or not, he loves you. So if you can connect to God, let me say it this way. If you can connect to God's love and your failure, then you're never a failure. We all fail at something, sometime. But if you can connect to God in that failure, you'll never be a failure because 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, the Amplified Version says, love never fades, never fa- fails, never fades out, becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. So love conquers all. So if you can connect to God, and that's what, the, what he wants you and I to do. How do you connect to God? Well, first of all, you just got to believe, all right. Lord, I failed at this, you know. I, I told a big fat lie and I shouldn't have, or, you know, I did this and I shouldn't have, or, or I waved the single finger at somebody who cut me off and I probably shouldn't have, and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Y'all looking really holy out there. But anyway, um, so the list goes, but while in the midst of that, you can say, God, you know, I really shouldn't have done that, but I'm just going to connect with you and the love that you have for me right now, that you're going to always bring me up above that sin. You're always going to cause me to rise above that because of who you are and how much you love me. How many think the love of God is powerful enough to do that? I mean, it's powerful enough. I don't care. You know, you say, oh, my goodness, that person, you know, they committed adultery and everything. Oh, let's do this. Let's kick them out. Let's do this and just, oh, bad person. I'm not trying to justify any sin, okay? Sin has its own consequences. But in the midst of that sin, the love of God will prevail. The love of God is higher. And if you're in the ship of love, when the water rises, you're going up, honey. I don't care how deep the pit is. When the water starts to rise in that pit, it's going to come and bring you up with it. You just got to know, I'm in the ship of love. Well, you could call it the love boat. (laughs) Younger people are going, what, what? I wasn't funny. I wasn't funny. Whatever. But this is a problem. People think it was funny. Anyway, people think they can be transformed by doing better. If I can just work on myself, if I can just better this, if I can quit this, I'll be transformed. It'll never happen. The only way, you want to know how you and I are transformed? When you have a revelation of how much God loves you. Period. Period. That's how you and I are transformed. You say, I just need to change. I've tried to change Mike Davis so many times. I've tried to change my wife so many times. You've probably never tried to change your, try, you try to change your wife or your kids. You, you're just spitting in the wind, hon. It's going to hit you back in the face, and they're, 
It just doesn't work, does it? Even though you think it's working, it's working until it crashes. You can't transform anybody. You can't change anybody. You can't even change yourself. We can't change ourselves, and we're trying to change other people. You see a problem with that? I see a problem with that. If you can't change yourself, how are you going to change other people? But when you and I have a revelation of how much he loves us, it's automatic change, effortless change, when you understand that God loves you. So there's days that I just, I'll just get this thought, you know what, God, thank you that you love me so much. You are so, you love me. Wow, you just love me. You just love me, God. You need to meditate on things like that. You need to think. If you think that you have to perform for love, you are never going to bear fruit. And most people, we have that mentality because we live on a social level with people or kids or spouses or just people in general. If, if they perform right, then I will reciprocate and love them back. Did you know God doesn't love that way? And there is a revelation of love that you and I don't have to live that way. If they treat me good, I love them. Of course, you know, you do the wedding vows until death do us part, you know. After six hours, that's usually forgotten. Okay. Less than six hours. But anyway, my point is this, is that you and I don't even have the ability to love other people the way that we should. You just don't. You know that scripture about husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to work hard on that. How's that working for you? And all the women said, don't say anything. That's good. That's good. I'm glad you didn't say anything. That's real good. But anyway, I mean, you, you, men, you just, we can't do that. God asked us to do something we can't do. That's, oh, that's just terrible. Well, you can't do it in your own might, in your own strength, in your own flesh. But then Paul turns around and says, I can do all things through Christ. There's the key. How much does Jesus love you? How much does God the Father love you? If you have a revelation, guess what? You're going to love your spouse effortlessly. You're going to love people effortlessly. No matter how they treat you, you have the ability to love all people. All people. John 15, 8 says this. When your lives bear abundant fruit, so God wants you and I to bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. Now, we can bear fruit. We can bear fruit. But most of us try, you know, Galatians 5, and 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is tender towards people, loving towards people, patient toward everybody, even toddlers. Patient. We have that ability. That's bearing fruit in every area of our life. It says, if you want to bear abundant fruit, then the next scripture says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. How does the Father love Jesus? How did he love him or does love him? First of all, it's unconditional, is it not? God loves you in me unconditionally. He says, the same love that the Father loves me is the same love that he loves you, which would mean unconditionally. And we know that's unconditional because Jesus, before he did one miracle, before he preached one message, 
before he did anything for the kingdom of God. At age 30, he was baptized. John the Baptist baptized him. When he came out, uh, out of the water, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Well, wait a minute. He didn't do anything. There was no performance yet. I said, there's no performance, yet God says, this is my son in who I'm pleased. For what? He was pleased because that was his son. So today, there is no performance level for God for him to love you or me. It's not based on performance. It's because you're his daughter or you're his son, period. And that's why he's pleased with you. That's why he loves you. It's unconditional. We can go one step further. If you're even not a son or a daughter, and don't, you can be an atheist, agnostic, don't want to have anything to do with God, and God loves them the same as he loves Jesus. Wow. Yeah, he does. The same love. The same love. So... Let's keep reading. I love you, verse uh, 9. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. What's going to get you and me through life is the love of God. As Jesus said, it will nourish you and it will even empower you. It would empower you. The love of God. But we flip that around and think that our obedience is what causes us to be empowered by his love. It's the opposite. Because Christians, sometimes we just focus on obeying God. I have to obey God. If I don't, if I disobey God, then God's not going to have anything to do with me or I won't be able to walk in his blessings or whatever. Fill in the blank. You know, when Adam sinned and him and Eve just took off running and tried to hide from God. Wouldn't it be terrible to play hide-and-go-seek with God? We used to play hide-and-go-seek with kids. I loved it, man. I would hide in places where you would sit there for a half hour. Finally, I said, Mike, we can't find you. You know, in the dark, we we played in the streets can't do that today. I mean, we play in the streets, pitch black. You could hide. There's places no man knows. But could you imagine playing hide and go seek with God? I know where you're at. But yet God sits there and goes, Adam, where are you? As if he didn't know. But what's he, he's saying to mankind, I'm calling out, you can run for me, but I'm always going to pursue you. You can run. And you can hide, but I'm going to find you. I'm going to pursue you no matter what you've done. And then when Adam gets found out, he said, Adam, what's going on? He said, well, I'm naked, so I hid. Don't you think that's kind of a, a kind of strange response? I mean, wouldn't it have been more right to say, I ate of the tree you told me not to? He didn't say that. What? Yeah, he didn't say that. He didn't say, you know that tree you told me not to? I ate of it. He didn't. He didn't say, I disobeyed you. It wasn't a matter of obedience or disobedience. 
It was a matter of I did something wrong and I feel bad and I am a wrong, bad person. That was Adam's mentality. He took the image of God down and he put the image that he was wrong up. The image that he put up there was I'm a bad person. I'm naked. Let me ask you something. Was he naked before he ate the tree? Duh. And yet, now he's covering himself. You see something funny with that picture? I mean, if you were naked before you ate the tree and God didn't have a problem with your nakedness, what makes you think that you're naked after the tree and now God has a problem with your nakedness? God didn't have a problem with him being naked, but yet Adam thought, thought, had the wrong image, so I've got to cover this. I've got to fix it. So he started fixing it himself. He tried to fix something himself. And so this is the problem. We still are doing that today. We still, that's funny. We still do it today. We do something's wrong or we do something wrong. Instead of going to God, we try to fix ourselves today. Come on now, is that true? Oh God, I just well, I just gotta work harder at this and better at this. And God said, you know what? Those leaves, it's just no man, that's not gonna work. Your leaves aren't just gonna cover up your mess. So I'm gonna clothe you. God provided the clothing. And he still provides the clothing today. It's called a robe of righteousness. He clothes you in a robe of righteousness. But man is still trying to fix himself, trying to put the wrong image up there of God and trying to put the wrong image up there of who you are. Stop it. Just stop putting the wrong image up there. You need to put the image up there that you're righteous, that you're holy, that you're prosperous, that you're blessed coming and going, that he's made you the head and not the tail. I have all things that pertain to life and to godliness. I am God's child. That's the image. Anything outside of that should be cast down and taken down because it's the wrong image. Are you seeing that? It's a powerful thing. So obedience is actually empowered by love, not by your self-will, your discipline. It's empowered by love. If you really want to obey God, then you have to have an understanding and revelation of how much God loves you. And once you do that, it's effortless. You just, you just do it because of the love of God. Jesus didn't go out going, I really need to obey God. He said, whatever I see my father do, I do it. Whatever I hear my father say, I say it. He just said it like nonchalantly. You know why? He understood how much God loved him. So it was effortless. You know, people go, man, I'm just really wanting to do, I'm struggling to to do something for God, you know. I'm going to be a missionary, but oh, man, just... It's hard. It's bad being a missionary. You have no clue of how much God loves you then. You probably shouldn't go. You probably shouldn't do it because you'll probably fail miserably at it. Why? You're only going to be empowered when you understand how much God loves you. Jesus was the most humble man on the planet when he walked on this earth for 33 years. Yet, do you realize he never criticized himself? He never said, man. I just can't do things right. You say, well, that's because he never did. But no matter what, he never was critical of himself. 
I'm going to challenge you today. I, I've been critical myself. I mean, critical, you know, how I do things and say things, especially after I preach. But anyway, but this is what God wants you to do. If you're truly going to walk in humility, you need to p- quit being critical of yourself. You need to stop it. Because anytime you do, you're putting up the wrong image. And God says, I don't like that picture you're putting up there. It's the wrong picture. I know you're thinking, but this it's just it's going crosswise with the way that I was raised, the way that I think. Isaiah 55, 8. I'm going to brand that on your forehead. God says you don't think the way that I think. Therefore, if you don't think the way that I think, you'll never have my ways. If you want the ways of God, you've got to start thinking the way that he thinks about you, which means you've got to put the right image up there. And that image is you are blessed, you are loved, you are pleasing to God. He thinks highly of you. Oh, hallelujah. God never wanted us to be separated from his love. That's why he chased Adam down. And that we would never ever need to hide from him never no matter what we do you know people say this oh sin separates you from the love of God really why were we taught that the church has embraced that image that when we sin God goes depart from me when all along when Adam sinned who was chasing who (laughs) Adam was running and God was running after him If sin separates you, that would have been the time of separation right then and there. Sin doesn't separate. You cannot be separated from God. Hebrews, I think it's 13, 8, 13 something. says, I will not, the Amplified Version, I will not, assuredly, I will not ever leave you helpless. Something to that point. But anyway, he, he'll, he'll never leave you no matter what. You have to get that image that God will never separate himself from you, ever. He loves you too much. So if you are thinking wrong, if you are thinking you always have to fix yourself, you're going to be struggling in life. You're going to be disappointed with how your life is turning out. You want your life to be better? Then start putting the right image up there. Take down those old stuff so many pictures so many pictures there are many who are trying to obey God out of fear instead of love 1 John 4.10 says this this is love the passion translation 1 John 4.10 this is love he loved us long before we loved him it was his love not ours He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing, sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Delightfully loved ones, if he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. If it's hard for you and I to love people, you can rest assured that we don't have the right revelation of how much God loves us. And listen, the biggest one is you. Loving yourself. Most people don't love themselves right. I'm going to say it again. Most people do not love themselves correctly and right. Because we have the wrong image up there. We have our failures up there. 
We have our stupidness up there. I've said, I've done. Oh, my goodness. Who couldn't write that book? The Stupid Things I've Done in Life by Mike Davis. Oh, it's an encyclopedia set. It's not just a book. It's a whole library. Who, could, who doesn't have that? We all do. I'm telling you, this is going to help you today. It's going to be some effort on your part because, man, there's all, some of you got a portfolio of not just one picture of your stupidness. You got a whole portfolio album of things up there, you know, like, okay, I'm going to tear that one down. Right behind it, oh, my goodness. But one by one, take them down and put a good one up in front of it. I'm pure, I am holy, I am righteous, I am well-pleasing to him. It will freak your mind out. But that's what God wants you to do. And when you start thinking with the right image, you start producing and bearing fruit. Let's stand. So if you don't love yourself... It's because you don't understand the love of God. That's a pretty simple thing to understand. You know, like the warning light, check engine light, you know something's wrong. If you're not loving yourself, you don't understand how much God loves you. If we're going to bear fruit as a church, if we're going to bear fruit as a family, then we need to say, God, open up my eyes so I can see how much you love me. So how much you... How much does God love you? It's unbelievable. You can't can't fathom it. His love is higher than the heavens, the Bible says. What does that mean? You're never going to be able to to tap it and say, I've got it all. You'll never be able to do that.